Matthew chapter 14 for a scripture reading. The first section in chapter 14 gives the account of when John the Baptist was beheaded, and we'll pick up the story in verse 13. Matthew 14, beginning at verse 13. We'll read to the end of the chapter. When Jesus heard it, that refers to John the Baptist, he departed from there by boat to a deserted place by himself. But when the multitudes heard it, they followed him on foot from the cities. And when Jesus went out, he saw a great multitude, and he was moved with compassion for them and healed their sick. When it was evening, his disciples came to him, saying, This is a deserted place, and the hour is already late. Send the multitudes away, that they may go into the villages and buy themselves food. But Jesus said to them, They do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. And they said to him, We have here only five loaves and two fish. He said, Bring them here to me. Then he commanded a multitude to sit down on the grass, and he took the five loaves and the two fish, and looking up to heaven, he blessed and broke and gave the loaves to the disciples, and the disciples gave to the multitudes. So they all ate and were filled, and they took up twelve baskets full of the fragments that remained. Now those who had eaten were about five thousand men, besides women and children. Immediately, uh, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side, while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. Now when evening came, he was alone there. But the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. Now in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them, walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a ghost, and they cried out for fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I, do not be afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. So he said, Come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him, O you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when he got into the boat, the wind ceased. Then those who were in the boat came and worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. And when they had crossed over, they came to the land of Gennesaret. And when the men of that place recognized him, they sent out into all that surrounding region. They brought to him all who were sick and begged him that they might only touch the hem of his garments. And as many as touched it were made perfectly well. This far, the reading of Scripture. Dear congregation, wind has been shown to help 
trees strengthen as they grow. If you think of plants that are grown in a greenhouse, if you leave them too long, they'll shoot up, and, but they'll be spindly and, and weak. But trees or plants that grow outside might grow a little slower, but they face the regular winds and, and weather changes, and, 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 and so they grow stronger. And they're made ready to face the next winds or the next storms that might blow along. And so in a similar way, God uses the storm winds in our lives to strengthen our faith. Many of our homes and churches and schools are like little greenhouses, you could say, where we are taught of the faith and where it begins to grow But that faith also needs to be exposed to the storm winds of this life in order to to strengthen it. If it only remains in the shelter of the greenhouse, it might seem to grow up tall, but it doesn't have any strength to stand on its own. And so God, who is the author and who is the finisher of our faith, will also see to it that we are all exposed to certain storms and trials for the strengthening of our faith. He's the creator not only of the wind and the waves and of the trees, but also of our faith and of the trials that we face. And in this passage is this kind of storms that the disciples faced here. Jesus also is strengthening the faith of his disciples. And it's written for us to learn uh, as we face various circumstances in our own lives. And so our theme this morning is a faith-strengthening storm. A faith-strengthening storm. And our, our passage that we want to look at is from Luke, or sorry, Matthew 14, beginning at verse 22 through the end of verse 33. But if you notice in the bulletin, there are four points, and today we'll only look at the first two of those. The first one then is God sends the storm to test our faith. And the second is God meets us in the storm to direct our faith. So for this morning, we will, our focus will be on verses 22 through verse 27. So then first we see that God sends the storms to test our faith. If you think of these disciples that just had witnessed the feeding of of the 5,000 men, that's not including the women and children, so it will be upwards of 15 to 20,000 people altogether. And they, they were the ones who had to carry the bread. They saw the Lord Jesus breaking the bread and they had to carry the bread to, to distribute it to all these people. But in Mark 6, verse 52, the parallel to this passage, it says they did not understand this miracle. It was was another miracle that they just took for granted. And in other words, they did not worship Christ for who who he really is and what he did. And if you look at John 6, verse 15, there it says that at this time the people that were there, they wanted to take Christ by force and make him their king. And we know from various passages that the disciples had similar thoughts like this. They thought Jesus was coming to bring an earthly kingdom. 
And so he could understand that his disciples wanted to be close by when this would happen. But Christ has different thoughts. In verse 22, it says that Christ immediately made them go into the boat. And he sent them to the other side of the sea. And Christ, he, he, he knows our hearts and he knows what we're focused on in this life, where our priorities are. And he knows that it's easy to be a Christian when everything seems to be going well. But even then, so often our focus can just be on the earthly, on the blessings that we can find here. And so it seems that Jesus here, he constrains them to go into this boat, even though they're, even they are fishermen and accustomed with sailing. This is something that they're very accustomed to doing. And then Jesus goes back and he dismisses the crowds and it says that he goes up into the mountain alone to pray. And so the disciples, they, they begin rowing out to the sea and it, it's, it's toward evening. It must have been calm when they started and then it got darker. And then it says that, that the winds picked up. And in the sea, they say it's common for sudden storms to come blowing in, that it could be calm one moment, and then a few minutes later, there's a strong winds. And likely the disciples had been in these storms before. But in verse 24, we read that, But the boat was now in the middle of the sea and tossed by the waves because the wind was contrary. Here these fishermen, they were, they were rowing. It says they were straining in rowing. And in Mark 6 it says they're, they're rowing in the darkness and they're fighting the wind that's blowing against them. It was contrary. Desperately trying to get to the other shore. But it says they're being tossed like little corks in the water. They were in agony. Literally it means being tortured by the waves. And in the darkness of the night and with the waves blowing, they, they likely didn't even know which, if they're still heading in the right direction. And so you can imagine them fighting for their lives, rowing to try to get to safety. The waters that were for so many years already, their, their livelihood and their, and their work were now threatening to, to swallow them up. And so what would be going through their minds at this time? What would they be thinking why had, did Christ send us into this storm? Didn't he know uh, that it, it would happen? And where is he now? See, in Matthew 8, verse 24, a few chapters before, he was in a boat with them sleeping when the storm arose. And, and then they called on him and, and he settled the storm right then. Did they remember that he had calmed the storm then? But even if they remembered that, where was Christ now? They did not realize that he was up on that mountain praying to his Father in heaven. But how often, dear believer, are we faced with sudden storms like this in our life? Where we can wake up one day and we begin doing our regular duties and chores. And we, we make our breakfast, we help our children, and we drive off to work. And everything seems to be going well. You could say we've been fed with the multitudes. We've, we've received all these blessings. These blessings that we seem to take for granted every day. Because they seem to come so naturally. 
But then it's like the sun begins to set on our lives and, and darkness rolls in and floats over our, floods over our souls. And we are suddenly faced with trials and, and some sort of a storm hits our life. And you can wonder, then where is God in this? And why has God sent me into this? Was I not doing something right? Was I not walking in, in the path that I should have? But we can be encouraged, dear Christian, because every trial and every storm in this life is, is ordained by God. They're designed by your Savior for a specific purpose. And that's for the strengthening of your faith. It says he, the King James says he constrained. Here it says he made him. He, he forced his disciples to go into the ship. Knowing full well what would happen. And so the disciples obediently go and, and float across the, the sea. But Christ himself, we, can, we, we know he was sent, he was driven into the wilderness by the Spirit to be tempted. Driven to face these tests. But then you can ask, why did he send his disciples out alone? Do we have to face these challenges, these struggles, these trials in our life alone? And the answer is no, he will not leave you there. But as we see in our second thought, he will, he meets you there. God meets us in that storm to direct our faith. In verse 25, it says, Now in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them walking on the sea. So in the fourth watch of the night, that's between three and six in the morning. And in Mark again, it says that Jesus saw them straining at rowing. And he sees you in whatever circumstance or situation you are in right now, even if you're rowing for your life. God sees you in your circumstance and from his position in heaven. These disciples have been rowing now for between six to eight hours from, from the setting of the sun to the fourth watch of the night in, in these heavy seas and in contrary winds. Now, these were experienced fishermen. They were accustomed to rowing and in the night and probably against the wind. But now you have to think that they probably didn't know how much longer they could continue. How many more waves could hit this boat before it would sink? How much longer could their arms hold out against those oars? And still we see their perseverance in this. Because it was a contrary wind, they could have let the wind blow them back to the shore from where they came from, back to where they had last seen Christ, back to where the miracle just happened. But instead, they, they were persevering. They were pressing on into the storm, following the words of their master, even though it seemed so impossible. Maybe they did think they were almost at land, not realizing that they're still in the middle of the sea. Because darkness makes these storms seem that much worse, doesn't it? You can't see where you're going. You can't see how far you've come. But you can't give up. 
We're called to walk by faith and not by sight. And these disciples, they, they persevere. And, and you, you know you cannot go back, but you need to persevere in whatever circumstance you are. That's why Jesus said, My kingdom is not of this world. Because we need Christ. But not in the way that the Jews wanted Him, just as, as an earthly king, to give them temporal blessings and ease. But it's these kind of moments that God uses to teach us. Because it's at this moment when, when it seems that all hope is lost. And when it seems that faith has lost sight of Christ, that Christ Himself comes to you. Because there are times when, when we strain and when we work and, and we row figuratively and we seem to make no progress in our life. We seem to make no progress in, through the trials or, or, or spiritually. And our eyes can be on the storm and on those waves and on the troubles that we face. We can be so focused on, on rowing, on the oars, on, on our own efforts to get ourselves through it. Just trying to stay afloat, but, but we're resting in our own strength and we're resting in our own efforts to get us through these trials and these difficulties. But do we see Christ in it? Do we recognize the hand of the Almighty God in, in all these trials? And are we relying on Him in the midst of it? Because it appears that these disciples... We're not expecting to see Christ or to receive help from Him as they did before. And that is because they don't recognize Him when He does come. But in verse 25, it says that He did come in the middle of the night. He, he came walking on top of these boisterous waves as if, as if it was just a sheet of glass. He, came, he comes walking to them unaffected by this storm that is nearly drowning them. And so we can see that he, Christ, he, he comes walking to you, walking over the very waves that seek, that seek to swallow you, swallow you up. That Christ even uses these circumstances that are a hindrance to us, but they're a path to Him to come to us. And He comes to, to revive and to strengthen and to direct your faith. And He uses these times to show that His power and His kingdom are beyond the realm, the physical realm of this world. He's greater than these storms in our life. He's greater than all the blessings in this life. But these disciples, they fail to see Christ for who He really is. They fail to see who He was when He broke the, the bread and, and, and gave it to the 5,000 people. But here they're being bent like a little tree, like a little sapling in the wind. But then Christ comes to show them who He really is for them. And it says, as they look out over the waves, they see Him walking, but they don't recognize Him. And it says in verse 26, Now when they saw Him walking on the sea, they were troubled and saying, It is a ghost. And they cried out for fear. They, they screamed in terror. That's how terrified they were of, of, of seeing that, that ghost. He said, if the storm wasn't enough, now suddenly this. 
And so it is when we find ourselves in the middle of trials and, and storms that even the little things can seem like such big things. And if we do not see God's hand in everything in our life, we can quickly in- interpret everything as being evil against us. Then immediately, it says in verse 27, immediately Jesus spoke to them. Here is Jesus who was up on the mountain praying to his Father. Jesus who is watching you in every circumstance that you are. Jesus who walks over top of the trials that threaten to swallow you up. He comes immediately. And he says, be of good cheer. It is I. Do not be afraid. Even though the disciples have been rowing now for six or eight hours, it says immediately. When they seem to have reached that that breaking point, it's as if Jesus comes and says, this is enough. In Matthew 12, verse 20, it says, A bruised reed he shall not break, and a smoking flax he shall not quench. And in his name the Gentiles shall trust. He knows our limits. He knows which gust of wind will snap this bruised reed. He knows which wave will put out and quench that smoking flax. And he knows how to make us trust in him alone. And it's at that perfectly ordained moment that Christ steps in. Because it's when we have exhausted all our own strength, all our own recesses that we are ready for the clearest view of Christ himself. That as Paul says, when we have lost all confidence in the flesh, when we have lost all confidence in our own ability to save ourselves, that is when we need Christ the most. And then Christ steps out into the storm and he identifies himself. And he says, it is I. Literally, he says, I am. Just as he told Moses. And here he is identifying himself to the disciples as the great I am. The self-existent Jehovah. The God who exists outside of creation. The God who can walk on the storm because he exists outside of that storm. And he says, though I was not with you physically, I am with you spiritually. I was watching you and I am controlling this test. And this is something that Jesus had to tell his disciples often, especially toward the end of his earthly ministry. Because when soon, living by sight of their Savior would no longer be possible for them. And they would need to learn to walk by faith alone. And so Jesus comes and he reveals himself as that as an object of your faith, as the only place where to anchor your faith. And he does so with these commands. First he says, be of good cheer. Why be of good cheer? Because it is I. And then secondly, do not be afraid. So that in the midst of all your trials, know that I am with you. That I will never leave you. And that I will never forsake you. And so Christ, he instills courage into you by his very presence. If you think of boys when they're young and you take them to the forest, they, 
They might be scared to run into the forest by themselves. They're afraid of what may be of the unknowns in, in the forest. But when their dad is there, then they have courage. Courage as big as their dad. And if you know when Christ is with you, your courage is as big, as large as Christ. And that drives out your fear. Do not be afraid. That even though fears might still arise in your hearts, fears of the noises, fears of the unknown, fear of the darkness, but that fear is then channeled for those boys, it's channeled through their dad, and for they can hide behind him when they are afraid. And, and so Christ is saying, here I am, take, take courage, because I know the way. Do not fear, but hide behind me. I will help you, and I will strengthen you. And so often we're, we're afraid of, of, the, of the things that we can see, or even of things that we cannot see. But, but Christ is showing us that our life is to be hid in Christ, not in the things of this world. And, and so Christ, he, he sees you in this storm. He is the one, He is that gardener who walks through the garden and checks these trees of your, of your faith to see how they're growing, to see if they're healthy. He knows, he knows how in this world our eyes can, can so quickly be blinded by, by the waves of the storms that we face, and that, that we cannot see Him spiritually as we ought. But that's where He comes walking over, over top of these waves to you to meet you in the middle of these storms. And He lifts up your eyes and He directs your faith to Him to instill courage in you, showing that He is with you. And so are you rowing now in your life? And through whatever storms or duties in your life that you face and you, you seem that you can make no progress, you're focused on whatever obstacles you face or you focus on whatever strength you can put into it and yet you seem not to be able to make any progress well then he says look up for him and see him who can walk over top of these troubles and what storms are you facing or what storms will god send to you in the future because they will come everyone's faith must be tested and your doubts and your fears will well up in this life but Christ is watching and Christ is interceding not just on a mountain now but now he's in heaven interceding day and night at the right hand of his father forever and there he sees and there he hears and there he knows how long you have been rowing and he knows what strength you have and what strength is left and how many hours are left before you have no more strength to go on he knows how many more waves that boat can take before it sinks but he says it is I do not fear be of good cheer and so he directs each one of us to look unto Him for all these storms that come into our life are given for a purpose, for the strengthening of our faith. But then next time, we will continue the rest of this passage to see how this brings us 
as, as it did to the disciples in the last verse, to, to, to worship him. Amen.